Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. We are in Matthew, chapter 6, in this series, going through the Lord's Prayer. And today's key concept is this. We are not independent. We are not self-sufficient. We must pray that God provides what we need for each day. By now you know what verse we are in in Matthew chapter 6 as we are moving through the prayer. So far we've, in the prayer we've praised God for who He is by asking that His name be hallowed. We have prayed for God's ultimate purpose to be accomplished so that His kingdom would come to earth, so that heaven and earth would act as one realm and that His will be perfectly done. And now we turn our prayer gaze, if you will, to ourselves, and we pray for our own needs because we are reminded by Jesus here that we are needy. He says this, verse 11, give us today our daily bread. That's to be part of our prayer. And I reflect on that because I wonder how often we remember to pray for our basic daily needs. How much do we envision God involved in providing for our basic daily needs? I mean, after all, we're accustomed to stores with well-stocked shelves. We're accustomed to an abundance of choices and products when we shop. We're accustomed to it being available to us day or night and now delivered right to our doorstep without a whole lot of effort on our part. Our basic daily needs seem to be well cared for without a whole lot of prayer until they're not. Remember the beginning of the pandemic? And some of you were praying that there'd be toilet paper on the shelves. <laughs> oh, Lord, help there to be toilet paper at Walmart when I get there. Until they're not. See, the asking for daily basic needs, that daily bread, is a reminder that everything we have comes from God. And it is a call on us to remember that self-sufficiency is a delusion. Even the person who never gives God a second thought is dependent on Him for everything. All of life is a gift. We are dependent creatures, and God cares for us. This one-sentence prayer, give us this day our daily bread, pulls us back from the brink of the sin of affluence. And you say, well, what is the sin of affluence? It's not being affluent. It is when things are going well, when things are being provided, when it seems that we're, we're moving right along and not having a lot to worry about, it is forgetting that we are dependent there. It is taking credit for all of that. The sin of affluence is thinking, well, I deserve all this. I have earned all this. And it will always be this way because of me. That's the sin of affluence. But grace is behind all that we have, even the most mundane things. So God, give us our daily bread. Imagine a family sitting down for dinner. They've, they've ha they have the table all laid out, and in the middle of the table, there's a big loaf of sourdough bread. And one of the kids of the family asks a question, Mom, is this homemade bread, or did someone give it to us? And she answers, yes. Because that's the right answer. Even if the bread is homemade, it came from God. Even if it was purchased in the store, God has supplied. 
He has made provision for us. And usually he makes provision for us by enabling us to work and to earn resources, by giving us abilities. And over all these things, resource and ability, we are to be stewards, to serve God with what he gives us. We are asked to manage what he entrusts with us. Like I say, often it comes because of our labor. He gives energy provided by God so that we can earn that which we use to supply what we need by His grace. But sometimes it comes through a miraculous provision, a miraculous answer to prayer. Earlier this morning, Pastor Wayne reminded us of a scene in England in an in a orphanage run by George Mueller. And in, in the orphanage, they were always on, a, uh, on, on the edge. They really were, it was never like abundantly supplied, but they were prayer dependent. And he told, uh, Pastor Wayne told the story this morning of one day uh, when one of the ladies in the staff came to him and said, hey, Mr. Mueller, we don't have any food for breakfast. And Mueller said, well, have the children sit down anyway. And they sat down at the tables and they, they prepared to give thanks for the food. And as they were preparing to give thanks for the food, which none of it was on the table, nothing was there, there was a knock at the door. And they opened the door to that that orphanage, and there was a baker in the door. And he said, you know, last night somehow God brought you to mind, and and I baked extra bread. Do you guys need bread? And so they walked in with the bread, and they had bread on the table. And while they were kind of breaking into the bread after saying the prayer, another knock came on the door. And, And the guy at the door had jugs of milk. And he said, guess what? My milk truck broke down right in front of your orphanage. And it's all going to go bad. So do you, do you guys need milk? You see, God can do that. God can do that. But usually what he does, most of the time, he says, I want you to pray this prayer, and I want you to put shoe leather onto this prayer and work to earn a living. Because that's the primary way that God gives us what we need to, to, to give us strength and point us towards the job. And he says, go to work. Second Thessalonians 3, Paul says, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. The challenge is don't be lazy. It's not if you cannot work, it's if you will not work. The lazy, idle person is rebelling against the image of God that he has created within them because God himself is a worker. God produces Work is a worthy pursuit. It's designed by God. It's woven into the fabric of who you are. We are most fully human when we are productive, modeling ourselves as what we see in our Creator. I don't know about you, but my parents drove certain sayings into my brain, sayings that they wanted me to remember. And to this day, I remember my dad's saying. It was, The world does not owe you a living. You need to work. Laziness leads to idleness, and idleness is selfishness. And it brings about bad consequences. Proverbs chapter 6 says this, How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. See, God has built into his, his economy of the universe that the outcome of laziness is loss. So my point is simply this. You dare not pray, give us this day our daily bread, and do nothing about earning it. In fact, there's more. As we approach work, we are asked to approach work with an attitude. 
an attitude that glorifies God. And that attitude is excellence because we're meant to picture God always as our supervisor. Paul says in Colossians 3, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not men. Picture God as your supervisor. Is that how you go to work in the morning? I'm working for God today? Even if your job is not all that exciting? No matter what your job is, you can honor God as you picture God as your supervisor. And when, you, when, you're, when you're picturing that, you honor God with your attitude. You honor God with your honesty. You honor God with your smile and your friendliness, your diligence. You honor God with your integrity and your excellence of effort, doing your best all the time, always. And while you are honoring God in that effort, see, He is providing for you. And He says, I want you to pray this daily. Interestingly enough, that simple word, daily, Ha provides a translation challenge for those uh, scholars who have translated your Bible uh, because uh, it's a rare word. This is the only place in the Bible that the Greek word that we translate daily shows up. This and the parallel in Luke. This is the only place. Now, when Greek translators, when translators of, of ancient manuscripts, when they come across something like that, what they usually do is they go to the classic literature of the time and say, well, what did the secular authors do with that word? What did it mean to them? And so that's exactly what they did here, trying to figure out what word to use in English for that Greek word. Guess what? Never shows up. It's nowhere in classic Greek literature. In other words, what Matthew did when he heard Jesus preach this in Aramaic and he translated that from Aramaic into Greek, he chose a very rare word. And so the translators put in the word daily because, well, that seems to make sense, right? But they really didn't know. It was kind of a guess. And we never found the word in use at all until fairly recently, archaeologists have found it on a clay tablet, a fragment of a clay tablet, uh, as they were going through the, you know, the, the going down the strata of the ruins uh, 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 of ancient days and so forth. And the fragment of this tablet shows that whoever this ancient person was, they were taking inventory of their home. It's kind of like a reverse grocery list. They were writing down what they needed and what they had, and next to the things that they had enough of for the day, they wrote this Greek word, and it means sufficient, sufficient for the day. So when you're praying, you're, you pray, Lord, provide for me what is sufficient for the day. Provide for me what I need for the day. And it tells us that this is not a hoarding prayer, and it's not a greedy prayer. Lord, give me what is sufficient for the day. Because, you know, prior to refrigeration, hoarding would be pointless, especially parable, uh, perishable things. It would spoil anyway. So this prayer reminds us that daily we're dependent on God. We can't manipulate the situation to pretend that we're not dependent on God. This prayer doesn't pray, Lord, fill my freezer for the next few months. Thank you very much. It's just sufficient for the day. And Jesus is, I think, pulling the imagery. And his hearers would see in their mind's eye the image of manna in the desert. 
daily being provided, coming down like flakes on the ground as the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. Exodus 16 says it this way, the Israelites did, did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much. He who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as he needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. Daily provision from God, sufficient provision from God. And so Jesus says, this is the prayer you pray. Pray it each day. And consider the wisdom of God in this manner of provision. You see, what God wants for us is always best for us. And what He wants most from us is a daily relationship of dependence. That's what this prayer reminds us. We, in our fallenness, we want to be provided for in advance. We want to have everything that I'm going to need all at once in advance, just kind of loaded on so that I know I'm secure. But that's not the way God gives because he realizes who we are, and he realizes that if we were given that way, all at once, up front, we would squander his good gifts. Now, maybe you doubt that. You'd say, not me. I'm disciplined. I could handle it. The example is otherwise. Yahoo Finance published an, art an article that says that one-third of the U.S. lottery winners declare bankruptcy, often within a few years. One-third. Here's some examples. William Post won $16.2 million in the Pennsylvania lottery. This was way back in 1988. But by the early 90s, he was $500,000 in debt. Evelyn Marie Adams won the New Jersey lottery twice, totaling $4.5 million. But she fell into a gambling addiction and lost it all in Atlantic City. Alex and Rhonda Toth won $13 million. Sixteen years after that victory, they filed for bankruptcy, and they went to prison for tax evasion. This isn't looking good. Billy Bob Harrell won $31 million, and in his southern town, he was known as Mr. Santa Claus. He paid people's bills. He bought cars. He bought homes for his family members. One Thanksgiving, he distributed 500 turkeys. In less than two years, he was broke, and he committed suicide. The list goes on. God knows that windfall wealth is not good for many of us. Now, some of you are saying, well, I'd like to risk it. <laughs> God knows better. Windfall wealth, when that happens, we, we, we stop seeking Him out. And that's what he knows we need the most, to seek him out daily in dependence upon him. And when windfall wealth comes, we think, well, I'm self-sufficient. I'm self-made. We tend to drift away from him, the one that we need most of all. So Jesus says, come daily and seek what is just sufficient for the day because he knows us and he loves us and he promises to give us just what we need. The prayer reminds us to live one day at a time to be present each day before the Lord and to look to Him for provision. It is not a hoarding prayer and it is not a selfish prayer or a greedy prayer because it's give us, not give me. The prayer has others in view. 
prayer isn't asking, give me my bread. Who cares about this guy? No. The plural reminds us we are connected and we are dependent on God, connected to Him, and we are connected to one another. Bread doesn't magically appear on your table. Even if it's ultimately supplied by God, He uses people to provide. No one is totally self-sufficient. And so there's an attitude that runs through this portion of the prayer, and the attitude is calling for trust, that God will provide. He wants to provide. When you say, give me this day, give us this day our daily bread, you're saying, I depend on you for provision, and I trust that you are both able to do it and you want to do it because you love me. You are reminded God is a generous God. You don't have to twist His arm or, or badger Him into submission before He provides. He's not reluctant to bless you. He is willing, and you can trust Him. But there's a second attitude here, and that is the attitude of contentment. Contentment for the provision when it comes. It's not give us our daily caviar or cherries jubilee, right? In other words, God isn't inviting us uh, to pray in a way that He will service our lavish excesses, but rather He will minister to our wants. And what has happened today, what happens in our culture is that wanting more and more beyond our needs into lavish excesses, it bends our lives out of shape. Pretty soon we don't know what we need anymore. We think everything is a a need when it's really a luxury. This prayer keeps us on track. One man says, uh, changes the words, but has the principle this way. He says, Lord, grant me neither poverty nor riches but only daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you thinking that I am my own God or too little and steal and dishonor my God. All around us today in in every form of media that you engage in, you are being asked to blur the lines between what is what you need and what is excess. And that is on purpose. I want you to know that that is on purpose. It's designed to create a sense and a spirit of dissatisfaction in you so that your dissatisfaction level goes up and up and up, way past what you need. And as your dissatisfaction level goes up, what do you do? You spend your money to kind of meet those, those things, and you're enriching somebody else in excessive ways and losing yourself. The choice of not letting our culture dictate what is a need but rather simply depending on God and accepting what He gives is the great gain of joyfully receiving from the Lord. And it allows us to share abundantly and to trust God for the future. Give me this day just the daily bread, the daily bread that I need. It's code for help me to be content with what you do supply. Hebrews 13, keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I'll not be afraid. What can man do to me? I hope you see the motivation for contentment there. It's simply because God's with me. He's here. I can trust Him. Contentment says, God is in charge and I am in good hands. 1 Timothy 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. 
It's not easy to pull back from the current of greed, the current of excess. It's not easy to step out of this river of dissatisfaction that is pulling you along with every single TV commercial you watch. It's not easy, but we must do it and pray simply, God, meet our needs. Be sufficient for us. And prayer, daily dependent prayer, is what we're called to. Samuel Chadwick was once the president of the Wesleyan Methodist Conference, and he said this. He said, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from our prayerless studies, prayerless works, or prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Pray for daily bread, the sufficient provision from God, and step back and watch God work in your life. Let's pray together. Lord, help us to trust you more. Help us to step away from the pull of our society more. Help us to rejoice in what you provide instead of eagerly seeking more, something else. Help us to be appreciative people and dependent people. We love you. We depend on you. We look to you. Provide as you will provide, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.